Pastor Xavier Reese and the greatest example of love. The husband is to love his wife. The word love is agape. It is God's agape love that is described that is never failing in 1 Corinthians. It is God's love which is selfless, self-sacrificing, and sufficient for all things. This love for all things. It is hard being married. You know why? Because you have to say no to yourself. You have to die. You have to consider yourself last man. That's not popular. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What would happen to a country without a leader or a company without a CEO? The book of Judges said that when Israel was without a leader, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Today, Pastor Xavier explores the foundation for a strong marriage, one that will not falter because everyone is doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. That's from the book of Colossians chapter 3. Let's listen. Paul has been telling the Colossians from the beginning about their new life in Christ as Christians. And when he arrives to chapter 3, he is very specific about the new man. Paul now focuses on the new man's home that is to be characterized by obedience to Christ in order for Christ to reign supreme in the home. Let me read it here. He says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. That's it. Real simple. Ladies always go first, now men. Husbands are to love their wives. Verse 19. That's not an easy task. We're two complete different individuals. But when they're put together, they fit. And they blossom under Christ. Without Christ, they explode. They ignite. Notice first, Paul commands husbands to love their wives. The capacity, again, is in view of their new potential in Christ, the new man in chapter 3, verse 10, just like the woman. The husband is the head of the home, as Christ is the head of the church, Ephesians 5, 23 says. The head controls the body. You, you walk out and, and, and you turn too short and you hit the wall on the way out. You're not going to start beating the wall. It's not the wall's fault. Not your shoulder. It's your head. Your head controls you. As head, he is responsible for the leadership of the home. Now, young men, you're not married, you're single, pay attention. Let's see if you want to get married. You're responsible for the leadership of your home. You cannot blame your wife. You are the leader, not the wife. That doesn't mean she doesn't lead at times, but you are the leader. As head, you are responsible for the provisions of the home. Do not get married with the presupposition your wife's going to get married, she's going to work. Amen. <laughs> oh, somebody's listening this morning. <laughs> now, you're single, you've got a job. You plan on marrying her first, but once you have kids, fine. So you get married knowing that you can do without her money. If you cannot do without your future wife's money, you got no business getting married. Leave her with daddy. All right? You must provide. 
As head, you're responsible for the protection of that home. You're to die for your bride. As head, you're responsible for the spiritual direction of the home. You are the high priest of the home, man. Ladies, if he's not spiritual before, dump him. Because he's not going to be spiritual afterwards. Men, you may be able to snow and get by right now. But once you're married, let me tell you, the heat has turned up. And let me tell you, you find out what a creep you are real, real fast. <laughs> Your pastor certainly did. Because all of a sudden, you've got responsibilities. It's not just the date. It's just not when she looks best. No money back, no returns. <laughs> the husband is to love his wife. The word love is agape. Identifying God's love. The love of God is best described in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. But what? Have everlasting life. It is God's love which is selfless, self-sacrificing, and sufficient for all things. This love for all things. It is hard being married. You know why? Because you have to say no to yourself. You have to die. You have to consider yourself last man. That's not popular today. It is God's love which gives life and true meaning to the other two kinds of love, phileo and eros. It is God's love that blossoms that emotional love instead of allowing it to manipulate and abuse the other person. It is God's agape love that gives the energy and the life source and the flowering of the sexual love between one another and not perverting it. It is God's agape love that is described that is never failing in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. Agape never fails. Every time I have yielded to agape love, I have never failed. But when I have not yielded, I have failed every time as your pastor. Every time. It is God's love that is called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It is God's love that is illustrated by Christ's love for the church in Ephesians chapter 5. It is God's love that is also illustrated by a man's love for his own body in Ephesians 5.28. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. For no man ever yet hated his own body, but loves it, nourishes, and cherishes it. You go down the gym, you see these guys. Not nothing wrong with taking your body, I'm jesting. But I'm saying, look at all the attention you put to your body and all that. He says, now, men, the way you love your bodies, you take care of them. Hey, do the same to your wife. Take care of her. Literally, it says, keep on loving your wives. In other words, the implication, there's some waning there. Guys, just think how, what you did and to what extent you went to get your wife. And once you reeled her in, that's it, cruise control. Well, be careful. Be careful. Notice, secondly, Paul's command is again specifically in his directive. His love is to be to his own wife, not any other woman or every woman. This is a lifelong process. Men and women in Christ should not enter into marriage lightly without considering the commitment for life. If you're a Christian, you need to do so. That's why when we counsel you for premarital counseling, we tell you to come in six months before your wedding day. And then we tell you, we are here not to give you permission. You can get married on your own, but we're here to try to, to instruct you on what marriage 
It's said to be in the scriptures and help you through some things. But if at any time during that counseling we see there's troubles, and I'm not talking about just superficial stuff that we see is not good for you biblically, we say we don't think you should get married. We tell you straight out. Men and women in Christ need to make sure that uh, they're made as a Christian to not be unequal yoke. I'm surprised how many people come in with people that are not Christians. They want to get married to them. What are you doing? We won't marry you. Impossible. For God to bless that. The presupposition is that they're going to change. No, they won't. No, they won't. Get to know the person. Know their walk. See them mature. See their commitment. Now, the process does not happen automatically. There must be a commitment to cultivate one's love relationship with the Lord and the Word and prayer. That's where it begins. Too often, young couples are okay and then they, all of a sudden a person comes in, and all of a sudden there goes the Lord. Listen, you must stay on the same foundation, the word, prayer, and fellowship. If your relationship is not based on the Lord, it's going to fail. If the only thing that's moving you is goosebumps, you're going to be in for a shock. Listen, young people, single people, your hormones are 100% pagan. They don't want to be born again. Okay? So understand that. Stay in the Word. There must be a commitment by each person to each other to be as gracious to each other as Christ has been to the individual. Remember that. If you're married, you know that if you don't do that, you're in bad trouble. There must be a commitment to love in word and in deed diligently. Words are cheap. You've got to provide the goods. You've got to deliver. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. We all fail, man. So we need to be gracious to each other. But we have to see the diligent love pursuit of each other. There must be a commitment to each other to be faithful, loyal, so that we're not divided. You must have trust. You must know trust with each other. That no matter where you are, where you go, that you can trust one another. Once trust is broken, it is very hard to rebuild it. It can, but it takes time. Trust. Men, sometimes we're prone to be more sensitive to other women than our wives. Be careful. Be real careful. Here a gentleman all around the church. Oh, he's that in that home. Oh, where's my shirt? Right <laughs> Careful. Now this process must be cultivated daily. Daily. The process begins the minute you wake up, man. How do you whack when you get out of bed? Do you look at the clock? Hey, where, where's, where's my shirt, man? <laughs> and you're yelling everything else, and they say, I gotta go. Give me a kiss. Oh, sure, give you a kiss. Pow. The process is throughout the day. Thoughtfulness. Do you call her sometimes? Just to call her. Do you call and say, hey, do you need something on my way home? Do you take her flowers sometimes? Not just because it's her birthday. You ever get home and say, hey, let's go out to dinner. She goes, huh? Was she dropped dead? Because it would be shocked. <laughs> the process is tested when you get home, man. Do you sit down and start exercising the strongest muscle in your body? <laughs> or do you make yourself available for your wife? 
And then the process yields its fruit at bedtime. As you desire one another, you please one another, and you care for one another. But if you're not cultivating that daily, and you leave like King Kong in the morning, and you come in like King Kong from work also, and then you go to bed and you think you're Don Juan, <laughs> you got another thing coming. <laughs> Last thing she wants to do is have anything to do with you, man. The process cannot be done in its full potential apart from Christ. Understand that. Even Christians have bad marriages due to the fact that they are disobedient and carnal, living as natural men and women. There are many bad marriages in the church today because we've diluted God's word. We've become as permissive as the world. Christians can admit their failures, repent, turn to Christ, and both can be gracious and move on their way and be richer for it. Christians in their marriage have difficulties and problems like any other marriage, but they are resolved all through obedience to the word of God, humbling one another. And sometimes there's some difficult things. You have to deal with them. They don't just go away. Christians should be having the greatest fun in their marriages than any other person. They should be the greatest example. Let me tell you, there are not perfect marriages, but your children should walk away from your Christian marriage desiring marriage more than anything else. If Christian children look at your marriage as their parents and say, forget it, I ain't getting married, woe well, to you from God's point of view. Woe well, to you. Now they're going to see your failure, they're going to see it, but they're going to see your love for God. They're going to see your humility. They're going to see your repenting. They're going to see your desire. They're going to know that you love your wife. Absolutely. Notice thirdly, Paul commands husbands to not be bitter against their wives. I find it interesting that he tells the husbands not to be bitter. The word bitter simply means to be embittered, to be made sour, to just be hard to an extent. The ideas of being resentful, angry, and having bad attitude towards them, causing them to be embittered, exasperated, or irritated by the harshness of the husband. The potential is natural due to the fall. We've already seen that. Because the woman is viewed as inferior automatically. She's weaker. She's smaller. She's feminine. So it's a lot easier to become embittered towards an inferior than a superior, is it not? And if I think with the mind of the natural man, my wife is inferior to me because she's smaller, she's weaker. And so right away, that makes me dominant. I have to be careful. Literally, stop being bitter. The reasons are not given, I believe, because no one needs to be told that it will hurt the marriage. It's very, very obvious. If you're bitter, your marriage has been hurt and continues to be hurt. It will not get better. Some of the things uh, bitterness does to marriages are as follows, and you can continue the list on your own. It cuts off communication. Where are you going? Mm, I don't know. Are you coming back? Mm. Real quiet. Whatever you don't talk about, you'll act out. So you go through the kitchen. Interesting. Something wrong? <laughs> it causes verbal warfare, saying things that you will regret later on. It cultivates desire to injure one another. I love revenge in my flesh. I was good in the world. I was patient. I get you. 
So I can't walk in the old Xavier because I like revenge. It cuts off sexual oneness, the greatest expression of love within marriage. Ultimately, it is used as a tool to punish the mate. I should never be. Don't let Satan into the Holy of Holies. Now, some of the reasons for bitterness are as follows, okay? And again, you can add to your list. Unforgiveness, present or past. Listen to me, couples. There are some things that maybe you entered into the marriage and weren't found out till afterwards. You make sure that you don't just sweep them under the carpet and say, hey, well, I mean, hey, God, I'm in No, no, no. If you haven't shared them, you answer some questions. The questions you have to, deal with them and put them on. Tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Because if you are given an opportunity to tell truth and you lie once again, then it's found out. You keep deterring and destroying that marriage and you are the one at blame. Be truthful. Be honorable. God will honor it. Unsubmissiveness of the wife. There's a lot of strong-willed women in the church. Be careful, ladies. An untamed, loose tongue. Ladies, you know you talk twice as much as men. And I'm talking about the amount of words. The Proverbs give much warning. You have a tendency to be more open to talk. Be careful. Your husband needs to know that he can trust in you. What you share with your friends, with other people. Discretion is a lost virtue. Like the proverb says that a, a beautiful woman without discretion is like a pig with a, uh, uh, with a jewel in its snout. It's out of place. Be careful. Don't share your intimacy, your personal things with anybody. It's nobody's business. Be careful who you complain about your husband to. If you're going to complain about your husband, do it to one person, God and your husband. And the same goes the other way around. Uncontrolled discipline of children, how the woman deals with them. Unloving attention and affection of the wife towards the husband. Husband and wife study the Song of Solomon. It's a great sex manual, a love manual. It's given to us. Unwillingly admitting your wrong pride. An unscriptural use of scripture towards the other ones, beating them all the time. A self-righteousness that is arrogant. All these things cause bitterness. We have to be careful. They all can become problematic. So Peter says that the husbands are to dwell with the wives according to knowledge in 1 Peter 1.7. Why? Because they are heirs together the grace of life and their prayers can be hindered. And by the way, the woman is the weaker vessel. That makes us men the weak vessel. The woman's weaker, we're weak. We're not strong, we're weak. She's weaker. By the husband's loving condition, his wife is to submit to her. And by her submission, she is loving him. And therefore... There's a pursuit of peace in both of the hearts, as chapter 3, verse 15 says. Because the word of God dwells richly in her and in him, chapter 3, verse 16. Because he wants to honor the person in the name of Christ, bitterness will strangle your love, affection, and relationship in your marriage. You must do away with it. Paul gives Ephesians two good counsels. Listen to it. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, Ephesians 4, 26. You ever gone a bit angry? You automatically wake up with a big smile on your face next morning? 
You didn't even sleep and rest. And you're more ticked off than when you first went to bed. Second, Ephesians 4.31. Paul tells the Ephesians, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put it off. Christendom writes, he says this, Has thou seen the measure of obedience? Here also the measure of love. Would it thou that thy wife shouldest obey you as a church, as a church? Have care thyself for her and Christ for the church, as Christ for the church. And if it be needful that thou shouldest give thy life for her or be cut to pieces a thousand times or endure anything whatsoever, refuse it not. Today marriage is taken not very seriously and it's entered into lightly. And if it doesn't work out, we can always get divorced. Wrong presupposition. Today, too many options are available to young people and couples. It, it waters down commitment. Today, like any other time, the most crucial period is the five to seven years of marriage. Listen, hang in there. Don't throw your towel in, because if you do, you're going to regret it. Absolutely regret it. Today, the world desperately needs godly marriages. Husbands are to love their wives. Now, let me close with this. This guy writing a new computer program. Dear Dave, tech support request. Last year, I upgraded girlfriend 1.0 to wife 1.0. And notice that the new program began unexpected child processing that took up a lot of space and valuable resources. No mention of this phenomena was included in the uh, product brochure. In addition, Wife 1.0 installs itself in all other programs that launches during system anal analyzation and then proceeds to monitor all other system activity. <laughs> Applications such as Poker Night 10.3 and Beer Bash 2.5 are no longer able to run, crashing the system whenever selected. I cannot seem to purge wife 1.0 from my system. I am thinking about going back to girlfriend 1.0, but there seems to be no uninstall option included with wife.0. In fact, wife 1.0 warns of heavy financial penalties if I attempt to do or go around the agreement. Can you help me, Jonathan Powells? Dear Jonathan, this is a very common problem men complain about, but it's mostly due to a primary misconception. Many people upgrade from girlfriend 1.0 to wife 1.0 with the idea that wife 1.0 is merely a utility and entertainment program. Wife 1.0 is actually an all-powerful operation system <laughs> designed by its creator to run everything. It is impossible to uninstall, delete, purge the program from the system once installed. You cannot go back to Girlfriend 1.0 because Wife 1.0 is not designed to do this. Many have tried to pursue Girlfriend 2.0 or Wife 2.0 but end up with more problems than originally original system. I recommend you to keep Wife 1.0 and to deal with current situations. Look in your manual under warnings, alimony, child support. <laughs> Having Wife 1.0 installed myself, I might also suggest you read the entire section regarding general protection false GPFs. You must assume all responsibility for faults and problems that might occur. The best course of action is to push the apologize button immediately, and then system will run much smoother as long as you take all the blame for the GPFs. <laughs> Wife 1.0 is a great program with a lot of nice features, but it comes with a very high maintenance cost. <laughs>
Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Grow in love, man. Have fun. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth about love, a love that is found in God's Word. Today's message, Husband and Wives, is available on CD for only $4. Now this also includes what we heard the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Husbands and Wives, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What's the secret to a successful life? That's coming up when Pastor Xavier Reese reveals the simple truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 